0: Hi Chris, how are you? Good evening Rod, yeah, all is well, and here we are on the f- 5th of September for episode 84.
1: We are, and hopefully we're going to sound an awful lot better than we did last week. I will admit to having made a complete stromash, there's a good Scottish word for you, of the recording, not having headphones, being in the wrong place, not understanding the difference between input and output, so it was audible, but it could have been better, and I apologise.
0: Yeah, I think it sounded okay, but you're right i think it was and up to our usual standards but it was fine we got a show out that's the important thing
1: very true let's fire straight in and do some follow-up then I and mean, this is a, this is a slightly special episode and as much as, as we're going to have some predictions and thoughts about the upcoming event next week which we'll wait and record after that for next week so we'll do a little bit of news a little bit of the usual suspects and then we'll dive into a main show sound good
0: Sounds good to me. And yeah, it's largely been a quiet week. So straight into follow up then. First up, Apple TV and FaceTime. You got this working. I haven't. I tried a different Apple TV and it wanted me to sign in. So I pointed my camera at the QR code. And even though I'm signed into Apple TV with my iCloud account, point pointed the camera at the QR code and it didn't work. And then I gave up. I'm bored of this feature. I think it sounds amazing, but I can't seem to make it work. So... I will wait and see. And as we record tonight, there's another tvOS to beta out tonight. So I will try that, hopefully, before we record next time.
1: Well, I got all respect to your efforts. and You haven't given up and, you know, our recurring homework here. Mine worked and I'd done it and I moved on. I'm sorry you're having such trouble with it. That All that said, you know, except the use cases we talked about last week, I don't see a huge amount of point for it. You know, it's quite a... It's a reducing market, isn't it? People who use an Apple TV, have an iPhone, want to FaceTime via... You can open your laptop or your iPad and do it, or your or your phone in most cases. So I think it's good to have. I don't think it's an essential.
0: I want it for Teams, definitely. I was doing a call today. I sat on my sofa, had my iPad on my lap, and I was using my iPad as the Teams client. I thought, oh, this would be amazing if I could just bang that on the TV and still use my iPad like I would if I was in a meeting room in the office. So I'm interested in it, but I need Microsoft, obviously, to adopt it with Teams.
1: Watch this space. Fair enough. For me, I was going away last Friday. So I bought my new gl.inet router that I put the link in the show notes to last week, got to the holiday let, it had BT Wi-Fi. I plugged the travel, the gl.inet router in at the back of that with an Ethernet cable. Everybody connected to that rather than the, 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 the router that was supplied. I turned on the VPN back to my house. Everything worked flawlessly. Everything worked quickly. No issues at all what a nice little bit of kit i'm very optimistic about using it for the future i have nothing negative to say about it at all
0: yeah it does sound quite good and maybe you're going to swing me over to getting one because i'm thinking when i go away with my family actually might be quite a nice thing to do especially now my son's got a phone and obviously that will come with us and that's a new thing that we've got to experience you know not just my wife and i having phones but the wider family having devices
1: yeah, it's it's a fair point. And the other thing that's nice is it has a built-in ad blocker. It's got AdGuard Home built into it, so you can just flick a switch on that, and you've got ad blocking built in too. So your, your internet's faster anyway. It's probably better than many people's home routers, frankly.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm coming around to it, and I think maybe when I've got some spare money, that will be my little
1: frivolous purchase. It's not so frivolous, I think it's quite a useful thing. Anyway, good, a little report back on that. Another little bit of a report back, is we've talked on this pod- podcast before, of the saga of my Van Move bike waiting for it, guessing it, being delighted, being very happy, and then the little bubble being burst as the company went out of business. News this week is that a section of McLaren Automotive have bought VanMoof bicycles, so that makes me extremely excited.
0: That's kind of cool. I think that sounds kind of cool. It certainly gives hope for the future, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I didn't even know McLaren had a bike division called Lavoie, but basically it's McLaren and part of their technology division. So I think there's sort of positives on both sides to this. McLaren make beautiful looking cars. They've got obviously a growing interest in battery tech and all the rest of it because some of their new supercars will have that in it. And we we look to Formula E and all these kinds of things too. You're likely to know more about that than me. But it's got to be an area of interest for a company like McLaren. That you get some design chops, you get some ready-made customers for something like this. You know, Miff is a bit was a big company, particularly in its day, and I think this is a it's a virtuous purchase as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, it's great that something's going to happen, and hopefully, it's going to live on. So, yeah, good news all round.
1: Yeah, the important thing for me is shortly after September the fourth, today September the fifth, more will be announced regarding the continuation of services. So, they obviously haven't hit that first deadline, but we'll see what happens next. Good news. Good news. And then a little bit of news, just as I was updating, getting Audio Hijack ready for recording the podcast tonight, is it came up with a with a blessed thing that said, Audio Hijack beta is now available for macOS Sonoma. So this means I could install the beta at last, although at this stage I may just wait for the release candidate and put that on.
0: Yeah, interesting this year, there was talk of iPadOS and iOS coming out at the same time. I wonder what they will do with macOS, because it feels like quite a quiet year all around. They may do them all in one go, I guess.
1: There's no reason not to. I mean, we're over the worst of the bugs and things, it seems to me. There's very little problematic with that. It's that, certainly an iOS and iPadOS. The tvOS seems to have worked better. We've both reported back on that. And I haven't heard anything too horrendous about Sonoma. Other than all the things people didn't like last year, they still don't like this year. System preferences, all that kind of stuff, still being problematic.
0: Yeah, I think all in all, it's a fairly minor update. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens.
1: Attention on the Vision Pro, I think.
0: Yeah, there is a massive sidetrack over at Apple Park at the
1: moment. A little bit, a little bit. Good. Anything else in follow-up we've missed? No, I don't think so. Marvellous. Fire on to news then. So first thing, and this is something that I've been thinking about since we talked about it last week a little bit, that Ian Betteridge, who's a prolific poster on Mastodon and was on Twitter beforehand, posting a think piece on it being a long past time for Apple to stop advertising on Twitter. And it's, it's quite a short article. It is worth a read. But basically... The argument is that, you know, Twitter is becoming increasingly right-wing, potentially more anti-Semitic, or clearly more racist in some ways, and why would a big company like Apple want to hitch their star to this platform, really? Surely, given their sensitivities around what goes on the platform, you know, what, what Purchases can be made within their apps. What people get to see, for example, the porn ban for one of a better example on Apple devices. Apple decide what people can and can't see on the devices, except in a web browser. But they're quite happy to sort of keep kowtowing to Elon in this situation. I just think it's quite an interesting little piece. Yeah, it, it's
0: there's obviously something strange there between those two companies because they, for whatever reason seem to have a, a special relationship. A bit like, <laughs> it reminds me of the UK and the US. But it just seems very strange, isn't it? There's just something there. But yet there are two companies that really shouldn't be buddies. They, they're more, you know, they, their moles don't line up. And I just find it, I find it a little dirty. But I'm sure it's a business reason why they're aligned.
1: Is that good enough, though? I mean, I'll just read a couple of quotes from the article. Apple is very good at taking a stand when it's easy. It refused to carry various small right-wing social platforms on its app store. Trump's one being an example of that, because the content moderation policies weren't up to scratch. Meanwhile, Twitter gets a pass to point having no practical control over hate speech and an owner who actively encourages it. Should we consider boycotting Apple and other companies that advertise on Twitter? If you found a company that was actively funding hate speech, would you want to buy products from them?
0: That's quite a sentence, isn't
1: it? It's a thought, isn't it? It's a thought,
0: and I kind of agree with it, but I like my Apple computers.
1: But this is it. You know, it's it's you and I taking a stand and saying we're not going to buy Apple stuff. A, probably won't last very long because let's face it, we're quite embedded in the Apple platform. And B, is it realistic when they're the best devices for the job? And, but balanced against that, sometimes you want to do the right thing. Quite a lot of the time, I want to do the right thing. My purchase might not make that much of a difference. Although I have spent quite a lot on Apple technology over the years, both from a business point of view and from a personal point of view. So this, it's, it's making me think, I did read a thing that it might be down to Starlink and SMS satellite messaging is the reason Apple and and Elon are staying so close together, is that if they are going to roll out a wider use of SMS or iMessage via satellite, they're going to need a good partner in Starlink to do that.
0: Yeah, it could be it. We may find out next week.
1: We might, but it's making me uncomfortable.
0: Still feels a bit icky.
1: Feels very icky. Speaking of Apple doing slightly odd things, they're with Microsoft on trying to get off the watch list from the EU. So Apple and Microsoft reportedly want iMessage and Bing off the EU's tech's gatekeeper list. So we've reported on this a couple of weeks ago when the EU law, well, when it became EU law that you had to have a gatekeeper policy, Apple don't think they've got a platform that needs policing.
0: Yeah, interesting. Obviously, it's a messaging platform like all the others, so it should need policing. But B, they've declared that it's... Did I say not big enough? Did I read that somewhere? Odd for Apple to admit that because they don't normally admit when they're not a big dominant player. But I guess the likes of WhatsApp probably dwarf iMessage in comparison.
1: Yeah, and Microsoft saying that they're not, you know, a, a very large platform As depends how you squint at that, doesn't it? There's no denying Windows is a huge platform. Bing, you could say, is a very small percentage of the search market, but there's quite but, a lot but of content. Bigger,
0: I'm sure with their aggressive aggressive, what do we call it, campaign for new users that aren't using Bing or, or Edge.
1: Yeah, so they're saying, Apple is specifically saying that iMessage doesn't hit the DMA, which is the act we've talked about before, user threshold of 45 million active monthly users. I find that surprising that they're saying they're that little.
0: Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, very bizarre.
1: I got to think the EU is going to go, nope, you are part. You are a gatekeeper as well, frankly. You
0: are the biggest companies in the world. You... You need to be on the list.
1: Yeah, how many devices did you sell, you so, say you sold last quarter? You know, it's it's not difficult maths.
0: <laughs> how many active users do you have? And they've all got yeah. iMessage installed.
1: Yeah, they don't want to police it. You know, we know how the, the child and sexual abuse material policing, just bringing that to the surface went for Apple. You know, they very quickly got shut down with that. So I can understand they don't want to police it. They may not be able to police it, given the encryption that we've talked about prior to now. I think Microsoft also, as a search engine, uh, it's, it's tricky ground. You index things that you almost certainly shouldn't be serving to your customers.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're huge. And again, installed on most computers by default. So I think they're both sticky wickets.
1: It is interesting to see them fight this kind of thing. though. I notice Amazon and Google and others are not
0: yeah, it seems odd that, well, it seems odd that anybody would try and fight it because they are huge companies, but but yeah, maybe Amazon and Google like, don't want to make the situation worse.
1: It is possible. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on this. Moving on, do you remember Usenet? No. You don't remember Usenet? I'm aware do, of
0: it, but I've never used it, sorry.
1: You're aware of its work. So Usenet was kind of a precursor to, well, messaging boards and forums and things like that on, on the internet. It was a separate service, separate to the the web as such. You had to specifically have a news reader app, not in the way that we've got now. You had to be able to read Usenet news. And there were channels within it. And the one that I only really remember that stuck in my head is Die Wesley, Die, 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 which was about Wesley Crusher and Star Trek. And fans hated him so much they wanted the character to die. So there was a Usenet group called that that people would post on all the time. But you could find a Star Trek one or a movies one or a music one. And quite often Usenet contained the seeds of quite a lot of piracy. So you could download various songs from the music channels and things like that. And it seems like, according to this story, that it's poised to rise again, Usenet News. I'd be surprised, but it is interesting. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. Maybe I'm not the only one that likes likes a bit of retro. And, and whilst I like retro games, maybe people are wanting to go back for retro ways of consuming the news.
1: I got to think this is a very generational thing. I mean, you don't remember it. I barely remember it. My children will never go looking for something like this. They're going to stay on their Snapchats. They're going to stay on their streaming music. They're going to stay on Reddit. And you know, for the, for the ones that Reddit hasn't chased away anyway. I, I think this kind of interaction with text based data. It's pretty much past it.
0: Yeah, it's a bit like does anybody miss teletext or C-Fax? You know, this was in the UK. It was on your TV. It was kind of like pre-internet way of getting written words on your television, in essence. But nobody wants to bring that back.
1: No, but you never know. I think it's there's there's a call for retro stuff, isn't there? Where we people are listening to records again. So I'm sure it'll find a bit of an audience, but I don't think it's big enough that it's going to take over the world again, unless Twitter slash X goes really wrong.
0: Agreed. And perhaps that, that is its market, is that it, is it can give you, you know, no adverts, very simple news. and maybe, maybe there will be a retro market for that.
1: It is possible. Anyway, we'll watch that one as well and see. So next story, Fairphone, who we talked about a few weeks ago for the Fairphone 4, getting software updates and things like that, so they'd keep it going in about seven years, have just announced the Fairphone 5, which is just an even more up-to-date version, better hardware, better camera, new batteries, you know, faster modems, all that kind of stuff that we've built into it. Uh, it's €699, Euros, and I think this is, once again, a great thing.
0: It does look like an iPhone. They've done a triangle with the things, but I guess everything looks like an iPhone at, at this point. Now it looks a nice piece of hardware, this.
1: It does, and maybe charts a bit of a path for the future, where if the EU are mandating that batteries need to be replaceable and things again, maybe this is what the future that we'll be looking at for iPhones as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be great if Apple did modular phones like this, surely. It would be fantastic.
1: It would, and I understand the argument that you, you need to glue everything in place so that water and dust can ingress to the device, which is what you know the manufacturers have been telling us for a while. But you can do a lot with a rubber seal. You know, This is what we used to have back in the day, and you know, it, it, it's not going to rot within four to six years, presumably, so you can make a bit of it replaceable. Can you imagine Apple selling you an updated camera for your f- last year's phone?
0: That would be amazing. I'd like just to get batteries at this point. I think if they just did you a new battery, that would be ideal.
1: It's a hell, it's quite a thought though, isn't it? That, you know, how much e-waste is because the battery in the device is gone or the cameras just aren't quite good enough for you or the modem or, the, or some element of it, the screen is cracked and was too difficult to replace or too expensive to replace. The ability to do it yourself with tools you have in the house without having to order a massive suitcase for Apple could really be a game changer in terms of e-waste.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I upgraded my last phone because the battery was going, I thought, actually, do you know what? I'll have the new cameras, but the battery's going, and I could have probably wait another year, to be honest. And if I could have swapped the battery out, I'd have definitely
1: waited. And you think, well, it's 699 euros, it's 619 pounds. That's probably half the price of what the next iPhone Pro will be. Yeah, that's
0: pretty good, isn't it, to be fair?
1: It is pretty good for a, a more friendly device. There you go. We see, I throw out to Microsoft occasionally, I throw out to Apple as well. It's, yeah, interesting, I think is a good job. Fairphone are doing good in the same way the framework laptops and others are making these user-repairable devices. i got to think it's for the benefit of the planet, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. It's the right thing to do, isn't it? We should, with all this engineering prowess, Apple should be able to make a phone or a laptop
1: that you could pop the battery out of. Like they used to do. Like they used to do speaking of something else they used to do they used to make a fairly low-cost laptop called the the macbook mac no it wasn't it was called the ibook that's what it was called we've talked about it before it looked like a toilet seat you could get them in a variety of colors and bring back colors and there's a sketchy rumor that apple might be about to release a low-cost macbook to comparable chromebooks what do you make of this rumor
0: isn't this the m1 macbook air like seven eight hundred pounds i get that's not that low cost but it's cheaper than most new iphones It's a great device. People should buy it. Surely if you want something cheaper than that, you can buy an iPad.
1: Probably I'd say it's in the same sort of category. I kind of feel like we've been here before. Didn't we go through the netbook thing, the little Asus devices that had 800 by 600 screens and compromised hard drives and just a bit of keyboard? And, you know, I think they went away very quickly. Business users want a good quality laptop or good enough quality laptop to, with a webcam and a decent keyboard and enough memory and enough you know, hard drive space and blah, blah, blah that they can get their work done. Schools want something that can take a beating, that they can set up for class the next day and all the rest of it. And the rest of us are in the middle of that. You get the extremes of the gamer. You get the other extremes of people that will keep their laptops running for years. And to me, a Chromebook has never been a very sensible device. It doesn't have enough... Going. It doesn't have an app store like the iPad. It's it's just a severely compromised device. And what it does have going for it is it's cheap. I think you can get them for as low as 200 quid. So, you know, something like that as an educational buyer or somebody who's lacking in resources and all you really need is a web browser, it makes more sense than an iPad. I mean, how much is an iPad?
0: 350, 400 pounds in the UK. I get that 200 pounds is a lot cheaper, but I just can't see to hitting that price point. I just. How are you going to get Mac down to that price point? I can't see it.
1: I don't think Apple will ever do anything that cheap. That's not the market they're in. They're like Lexus. They push push the prices the other way. They go up in price, not down in price. This is why this rumor is particularly sketchy to me. I don't understand why they do it. And I agree with the thing you said first. It's a MacBook Air, isn't it? It's the last generation MacBook Air.
0: Yeah, and that's been their model for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see if they do enter this market, especially when they made the case of the iPad being this is the area of the market the iPad was originally for, is that not an iPhone, not a Mac, it sits in the middle. So I think it would muddy the waters if they started doing this.
1: Yeah, and if they push it an M3 MacBook, you know, fairly soon, then the M1, they can knock another $100 off and it's getting cheaper and cheaper. And Tim Cook doesn't like to take things out of the product line, does he?
0: I don't think anybody would complain if the M1 MacBook Air hung around for a little while. It's a cracking device for most people.
1: Hmm. I agree. The, the thing that amuses me most about this is if you read down in the article, you know, even though they've got a picture of an iBook at the start of it, the first iBook released at $1,500 or $1,600, which is the equivalent of $2,800 now. So not that cheap. It wasn't cheap,
0: but laptops weren't cheap at all back then, were they? They were rare. I mean, you and I probably had a desktop and a laptop back then.
1: Yeah, we did. I do remember Steve Jobs on stage with a hoop, though, and an iBook, you know, passing a, a hula hoop over the iBook to prove there were no wires connected to demonstrate the Wi Fi.
0: Isn't that one where Phil Schiller their marketing director, jumped off of something holding a wireless MacBook onto a big spongy base to demonstrate the point that he could browse the internet whilst literally not connected to anything?
1: I mean, her times have changed, eh?
0: Yeah, now it's all superimposed graphics and amazing visuals. So it would be good to go back to some classics like this.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, interesting. I don't think there's much spice in this rumor, frankly.
0: nice should we move on?
1: let's move on and there's another rumor that uh, iphone watch bands leather watch bands for iWatch, apple watch watch bands are about to be killed off i got there eventually i think there's a lot of reasons they might be killing leather off but this is an interesting rumor
0: yeah it feels like leather's going which does make sense for apple and their stance I think get rid of le- leather though Sure, they can get rid of twitter but it just seems bizarre they're obviously hanging that hat on leather which makes sense it's the right thing to do but why aren't they doing on other things? But there you go. But if they're going to get rid of leather cases, you may as well get rid of leather watch bands, which have been declining, really. They, have Other than the Hermes ones, they've never really done that many of them. It will be interesting to know what it means for their Hermes relationship.
1: I would say all the Apple cases that have been in use in my family or have used myself, when I've had the leather ones, they flake eventually. Is that They start to peel off. I guess it's a substrate the leather peels off the substrate so that's not ideal when you pay so much more for a leather case or a leather watch strap compared to the silicone ones the silicone ones go as well mind you know particularly around the charging ports and things like that my children and i can only speak for a direct experience here are very bad at taking their cases on and off and on and off and on and off all the time because they quite often stick driver licenses Sorry, there was a bang behind me. They quite often stick driver's licenses or money in their phone cases in case they get into sort of any trouble. So they're quite often popping their phone cases off the back. And then if you have a driver's license, quite often the mag safe doesn't work. So you need to pop the, driver, pop the case off again. So they don't do well in that sort of environment, right? Really.
0: Now, I used to do the same when I had a phone case. I used to put a £20 note in between the phone and the case. As my emergency fund, but actually the more I've got comfortable with contactless payments, the more I realise actually I don't need any of this. So for me it's not an non issue. I do want us to have driving licences in our phone though, please. I'm bored of having to carry that as well.
1: So I read an interesting thing about the disadvantage potentially of having your driving licence as part of your app wallet is if you hand the phone to a police officer unlocked, they can comb through your phone then to see what else is going on. So obviously one it as part of the wallet it would flash up in the same way that contactless cards do. But that's got to be a concern for some people. They have no Authority to comb through your phone, looking whatever else you happen to be doing on there. So something to keep in mind when we always want identity on our devices.
0: Yeah, I can understand where you're coming up from that, or maybe that you have to have a mechanism so you can send it to the to the police person. And I don't know, but I understand what you're saying. The cases don't wear well, and we need to get rid of having more cards in our that we have to carry with us. So there's, there's two sides to that coin.
1: Yeah, there absolutely is. Anyway, it's interesting that leather is going I was gonna say the way of the walrus, but the walrus is still well. This going the way of the polar bear, unfortunately. That's the way that seems to be going at the moment, and bad for the planet again. So get rid of leather cases, stop killing the animals, give us something that's sustainable and doesn't flake and we can we can keep using. Got all that Apple, tick tick.
0: Just stick with the plastic cases, they're not bad for the environment. This is why we should all go caseless.
1: Maybe, but then you know, all the oil out of the ground to make the plastic cases as well. You know, w- w- what's the win here? I think we need to go back and live in the caves again at this stage. Caseless—that's the win. Yeah, then you smash it, and you got to spend more, and oh, it's a vicious circle. Fair phone, so we can just replace it. That seems to be the answer.
0: Maybe that is the answer. Maybe um, that is the answer. Last piece of news was just very briefly Meta of asking all their staff to go back in the office three days a week. I thought that was interesting, and it does seem to be the way we are going. Even tech companies are doing it. Video platforms are doing it, everybody's doing it. So it does feel like we're undoing some of the good that's come from the pandemic.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think we've we've talked this to death. It's just another report of yeah, another tech giant that could do everything remotely. Maybe making use of their virtual reality, augmented reality headsets that the, the company owns as well to really enjoy that sort of office experience. They're not gonna it's not a convincing sales argument, is it? You know, it's just like being in the office, but we want you in the office.
0: It's just like being in the office, but we're not going to dog food it.
1: Yeah, not good enough. No,
0: agreed. Should we move on to media?
1: Let's move on to media. So a little bit more follow-up. I've continued to watch The Women in the Wall on the BBC. It's, it's still very good. I still think there's a percentage of nonsense in there about the police not actually arresting her. But I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Did you get a chance to watch it?
0: No, I have not. I've seen barely any TV, I must confess. Apologies.
1: Oh well, it's good. If you live in the UK or you have correct access to player or player t- and a TV licence of course then watch The Woman in the Wall it's well worth it. Second one and I'm a bit late to the party on this is a show on Disney Plus called The Bear. Have you heard of this one?
0: I've heard of it. No idea what it's about and I've not seen any of it.
1: So it's set in Chicago. I can give a pressy without spoilers. An almost Michelin star chef gets left a restaurant by his brother in Chicago and it's basically a deli and sandwich shop and he's been running it into the ground, he runs it in a particular way, all the employees are basically family, or close family friends. And it's just about his trials to deal with the death of his brother, manage this quite different environment than he's used to working in as a Michelin star chef, to sort of being back in the brunt of his, the bosom of his, what's left of his family. And it's just a really well-written character drama as, as all the cookery elements that you'd expect flashbacks to when he was Michelin star bringing on the other people in the restaurant into the way that he'd like to work dealing with all the issues that his dead brother has left him as well as dealing with the grief it's so well done the episodes are sort of 25 to 27 minutes in length I've got two episodes left in the first season and they just dropped the second season as well so I I'd thoroughly recommend having a watch it's it's a fantastic show
0: so for somebody didn't know anything about it And I wonder why it's called The Bear, because what you've described is not what I envisaged. I don't know what I was thinking, but something called The Bear was not what you've just explained to me, if that makes sense.
1: There you go. That's what it is.
0: Okay. Well, then I should give it a go. It does sound quite interesting, actually. It sounds like a bit of my street, and I quite like a short episode TV show. I do think we're missing sitcoms lately. Everything's getting longer and longer, and to a degree, a little bit lazy, I think, TV... tv shows episodes are long and then this the season's quite long and actually shall think a lot of it could could be cut down and distilled quite nicely
1: and i agree and it is nice to have that sort of 25 minute thing where you can go oh go on then just another one because it's something you enjoy.
0: yeah and it's not going to make you step to one in the morning hopefully
1: hopefully not and speaking of chicago you've put ferris bueller's day off on the list Love this film.
0: I might watch this this week. I was having a bad day and I put this on in the evening because I was t- telling my kids about it. And I got them to watch the trailer, but they didn't seem keen on watching the film, which I was disappointed at. But I watched the film. I love it. Such a good film and stands up pretty well today. Obviously, life's a bit different. They didn't have phones back then and what have you. But a fantastic film. Great soundtrack. Beautiful car. Great actors in it. Just what a good film.
1: So John Hughes was the director of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, maker of many good, well, late 80s, you know, teenage dramas like The Breakfast Club and others and had a cadre of actors he worked worked with. Molly Ringwald was in The Bear just to make that sort of link. He's played some of the music that was also in there too. So I would, again, reference back to The Bear. But I think your children probably need to be 13, 14 to get the most out of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mine weren't interested and then they hit them themselves. They found a couple of John Hughes's films and came to ferris bueller's day Offs, which they said do you want to watch this with his dad and i did and they thoroughly enjoyed it so it's just i think you just need to get them into the teenage years and they'll be there
0: yeah maybe it's a bit too early but oh such a good film love it and it's the person who plays cameron plays connor in succession and i can't think of the gentleman's name but he was in speed as well he's fantastic so i really enjoyed seeing him much younger than obviously the the character he played in succession but yeah fantastic
1: yeah, it's a great film. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll watch, if it comes on the TV and I'm flicking through the channels, I'll stop and I'll finish watching it.
0: Yeah, well, you have to, I think. It's so good. You do. We've also done Taskmaster Bleep Series 11 in our house. My children are loving it. My wife does not understand this TV show, one I iota. But the kids absolutely love it. And Series 11, I don't know what it was, but hit a chord. The boys thought it was fantastic, so I would recommend. And the bleep version's really good. Even as an adult, the bleep version's
1: very good because
0: it just makes you laugh when they bleep a swear word
1: remind me who the comedians are on series 11
0: so i'm gonna mess the names so it's alan davis victoria corin mitchell a gentleman called gus a lady called Desiree, and another lady with an m and i can't remember her name but it's very unusual pronunciation of a name
1: gus can yeah that is yeah. that's 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 an excellent show series that one i'm glad that's, you're enjoying
0: uh, it's filmed in the pandemic because it all sat two meters apart which was because oh, the, the children were like why are they sat so far apart because we've seen other ones I was like, oh, this was a pandemic one. So, but just so good, and the the cast was fantastic. It just gelled really well. And I think to be fair, whoever picks the five or so comedians to go on it does an amazing job of getting very different comedians, and it just works. I can't explain it, but it just works. So yeah, would, I would recommend anybody if you haven't seen it, go watch it.
1: I'm glad you've come to preach the Taskmaster gospel and I agree with you. I think having that sort of established comedian who's the big name that you'd recognize maybe from a couple of years ago as they sort of did right from the outset with some up and coming people as well and then that mix of styles and and let's face it and genders and ethnicity to get the balance of of that sort as well. They do a terrific job. It's always very funny. I think it's handled very well. It's just it's a, it's a terrific show and just it keeps that funny feeling all the way through.
0: So, so good. And like I say, appeals to adults and children equally. The lady I've forgotten her name of, it was Mugana. She was very good. But what I did think, I expected Victoria Corrin Mitchell to be amazing, because she's a very clever person. But actually what I learned is she she just hasn't got the practical side. She's very intelligent. You could see that. But she just didn't have the practical piece and the quick thinking. It was really interesting to watch them out of their comfort zone.
1: Yep. David Bedil was the same in an earlier series. I thought, here's somebody who's going to walk this, because he's an intensely clever individual absolutely no common sense
0: yep and it's really interesting is that we can't all be amazing at everything and he's i love him he's fantastic he is good finally and i don't know where to put this but i was thinking what have i watched this week and i went into my apple tv app and i was like why is there not like a history button of like things i've watched like in apple music you get recently played but why can't i just go and see what i've recently watched and you in Apple Music, you can see all your history, but they should do that in Apple TV, especially where you've got all the other apps like Disney and Prime that feed it and have a watch list. They must have that data, but yet you can't interrogate it. So that was all I wanted to mention.
1: Would people find it creepy that they'd want to go back and it would track, I was on Netflix and I watched this and I was on Disney Plus and I watched that? and It, it I must know what I've watched,
0: though, surely.
1: It must. I've popped in the show notes a link to a service called Tracked. T-R-A-K-T, which alleges to do this kind of thing. If you've got, if the server supports it, you can log in with it and it will give you a tracked watch list for all the things that you've done. Much like audio scrobbling did for Last FM back in the day, if you listened to something on apple music or in your own library or something like that it would watch and it would record all that to a list so you would be able to do it so some services support tracked such as jellyfin that i was talking about casey list is trying to build it into his next version of watch list call sheet sorry so there are services like this available i very much doubt it's going to run globally on the apple tv though so that might be something you want to look at
0: yeah i just want to just look into the apple tv app and go what have you watched recently? Because you might want to go back and rewatch something or like talking to you. I was like, well, what else have I watched this week? And I just wanted to scroll through that list. So I'm sure the data exists. there's for some reason just not exposed.
1: I mean, YouTube did this very well, actually. If you go, if you go in and you look at your history on YouTube, as long as you're signed in, everything you've ever watched on YouTube is there on, on a descending list going back and you can sort of call it up. When did you watch it? And all that kind of stuff. And I, th- I agree with you. It'd be quite nice to be able to enable that in services for those that wanted to see it. And go back and see what was going on. I can understand why Netflix might be a bit hesitant about sharing that data back with Apple, you know, without exp- express permissions and in-app purchases and all the all the other stuff that the streaming companies have got going on.
0: Well, Netflix doesn't play nicely with Apple TV anyway, but all the other apps do. So yeah, just just surprised there was no mechanism to do it.
1: I don't think it's that bad, is it? If you watch something on Netflix, because I, I, we only have one TV account logged into our Apple TV, so I see what the children have been doing. It quite often comes up and says, such and such was watching this on Netflix, be it Friends or Gossip Girl or whatever it is that they watch. I do get that much from the up-next bar
0: hmm that's interesting i don't use netflix so that much so uh, i also more mean the apple tv and we do have all our own names on the apple tvs because we've got so many of them and so we do flip it around so that my watch list is mine and my kids is their own if that makes sense
1: it does make sense i've never really understood why i guess you might have parental controls for things that they're not allowed to watch within that but then no, it's
0: just more that we've each got our own queue of stuff and we've got our ipads and our phones and we all watch things on different devices My son will want to watch Match of the Day and he can just pick up where he left off. It's annoying though that iPlayer doesn't follow the profile through. So if Son A is on the Apple TV, when he then goes to the iPlayer, it's just logged into one iPlayer account unless you have to manually change each time. You can't link iPlayer to the Apple profile.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why we've never bothered. If you launch Netflix, you've still got to pick the next account inside of Netflix to get into that. So it's, it doesn't give any benefit particularly to having that logged in account on the Apple TV.
0: No, developers can do it, but nobody has ever really done it. Apologies to our listeners, there is a large airplane flying overhead at the moment.
1: I can't, I can't hear the airplane, it's probably Zoom cancelling it, out, but I can see you swatting desperately an insect flying around your head. So if you're back to the microphone, there's a reason for that
0: yeah i'm in that awkward state of it's too hot to shut the door but i need to have the door open so i can breathe but it invites insects in at this time of night
1: fair enough should we move on to games
0: games yeah we haven't got much in games have
1: we we haven't got much in games just one story i thought it was worth putting in here considering i'd canceled xbox games pass whatever it's called you know a couple of weeks back for not really making use of it and sony are about to increase the price of playstation plus and effectively it equates to a 33 percent rise on playstation plus across the board which is significant.
0: Wow. I cancelled mine because I wasn't using it enough. But It's getting expensive quickly, isn't it? And a lot of services are doing this.
1: Yeah, so PS Plus Essential, which is the base tier. And keeping in mind, you need PS Plus to play an online game. You can't download Fortnite and play it, as far as to, to the best of my knowledge. You can't download Fortnite, the free version, and play it net with its network features without PS, PS Plus. You might tell me different.
0: I blocked Fortnite on our router, so I don't know anymore.
1: <laughs> you, you did say so, yeah. You can't play online against anybody else unless you're paying for one of these tiers. PS Plus is go- the essential, is going from fifty nine ninety nine a year to seventy nine nine a year. PS Plus Extra, which is the one I'm on, is ninety nine a year and goes to one hundred and thirty four ninety nine a year. And PS Plus Premium is one hundred and nineteen a year and has gone up to one fifty nine ninety nine a year. So I'm going to knock myself down a tier and possibly I may cancel it altogether.
0: Yeah, well, I've cancelled it because I just wasn't using it enough. So mm, things again expensive.
1: They really are. And again, I, I understand why companies like subscriptions. We've talked about it enough with Apple for the sort of steady income stream that it gives them, that it, it makes sense and developers are getting a bit better and they're allowed to build the service and they can rely on that income and it's not stop, start, stop, start. But there's only so much of this people will take. And, uh, you know, the, if you have to make a decision between one or the other, you'll go for the bare minimum and you'll buy the game you want and you won't experiment. And I, I, that's probably okay in some senses that they go back to buying $100 games for the next Call of Duty or whatever. But you've got to go for the $60 tier on, on Sorry, it's $80 tier as will be on PS Plus Essential to play whatever it is. That's becoming quite harmful by a PC.
0: Yeah, it's getting expensive. I did like it with Nintendo. I think it's about 20 pounds a year. You get cloud backups and you can play online. And that to me seems like a reasonable price point for just doing the basics. And then there are tiers on top if you want more. But to do the basics, £20 a year seemed like a fair price, which most people could afford if they wanted to. And it stayed relatively consistent, I think, throughout the Switch's life.
1: I agree, and I don't think the tier I'm on at the moment, the PS Plus Extra tier, is particularly worth it. You know, the two free games I used to get a month I'd occasionally play, it's added a few more at the library in terms of the classic things, like Returnal is a game every PlayStation user, PS5 user, should play at least once, it's quite an experience. Spider-Man and things like that, but the PS Plus Premium tier, I don't think it's a good deal in any way it's not you know it's too expensive the games aren't compelling you haven't got time to play them you haven't got enough storage on your on your playstation anyway really to take advantage of having lots of games downloaded on there so you don't need to analyze this very hard for it to become a questionable purchase
0: Now agreed and look while we're talking subscription gaming I've put in a link to Apple Arcade because Apple have got some new games coming out but I had a look around this and I thought there's no games I recognise in here which isn't necessarily a bad thing but normally you get some legacy games that that you've heard of. Have you played any of these games? There's Cypher 007 Japanese Raw Life Adventure, Junk World and My Talking Angela 2 Plus
1: I haven't heard of any of these games.
0: The only one I like the look of was Cypher 007 but I do wonder whether we're scraping the barrel with the Apple Arcade at the moment.
1: Japanese rural life adventure. I mean, what really, it's like country life simulator.
0: Looks like Stardew Valley.
1: It does look like Stardew Valley. I mean, it looks like quite a nice art style. It's very anime and all the rest of it, but this this wouldn't be for me. I wouldn't download this. Agreed.
0: Um, like I said, the only one that looked interesting was Cypher 007, but I'm not sure how that'd be on a mobile device, but, but there you go.
1: I mean, I might look at the Junk World one because it's a tower defense game and I like a tower defense game as I've recommended before, but it doesn't look like one that's going to stick. It you live long. And I understand why you look at for 007 because it's a James Bond M-up. Yeah, none of these are very compelling and they should equip with uh, Slay the Spire.
0: <laughs> and they're done. Well, they had threes as well.
1: They had threes as well. Did you ever go and check out Desperados 3 as recommended by me?
0: I've purchased, I've downloaded, but I've not played. So I'm 80% of the way to, to doing my
1: homework. I'm going to put that in your homework for next week. I will try my best. Anything else in games?
0: No, I don't think so. It's been a, a bit of a disappointing week for gaming, I think.
1: It's a perfect week for me to give you homework because we won't do it next week because we've got the event. So, you know, I should, I should all this homework you'll actually have two weeks to do. So it's okay.
0: Perfect. As long as
1: I don't forget, we'll be good. And speaking of the event, shall we move on to the main show?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So I think we touched on it last week. Apple have announced their event. It's called Wonderlust. You can probably pronounce it far better than me. And it's on the 12th of September. It's expected to be the iPhone event, which for the last, I don't know, circa 10 years, Apple have released a a new model iPhone or multiple. And more recently, sometimes an Apple Watch and sometimes some accessories. So I think people are looking forward to that. Interestingly, the iPhone never used to come out in September, but they've been very consistent with it. And obviously it lines them up for the holiday quarter, which is Apple's biggest holiday. Sorry, Apple's biggest quarter they have every year so how do you want to tackle So we're going to dive into what we're roughly expecting or how do you want to do it
1: well i think it might be worth as you said what did apple announce last year sort of the flagship projects the products that they announced last year was they brought in an iphone they made a significant change to the iphone in that the iphone 13 and the 13 pro were basically the same they had the same processor with min- minuscule differences slightly better screen slightly better camera but the basis of the phone was the same Last year, when they brought the iPhone 14, they split the platform. The iPhone 14 didn't get an upgraded processor. It got slightly upgraded cameras and some features. But the iPhone 14 Pro got flagship stuff. It got the Dynamic Island. It got all the camera upgrades. It got better screen. It got blah, blah, blah. So the one of the biggest changes to the iPhone lineup has been made. But if we look at the other things they, they announced. So we've got our iPhone 14. We've got our Apple Watch Ultra, which was a surprise. Nobody, Nobody was really expecting that to come along with all the straps and all the, all the rest of it we've got the apple watch series 8 we've got second generation earpods pro which i bought and you've bought since as well and and that was it we didn't get home pods i don't think that it came at a different event so as you've said we're expecting phones watches maybe an accessory so that gives us a bit of history before we sort of start to talk about what we're expecting this time around
0: yeah and interestingly enough i bought a phone, and Apple Watch and some AirPods last year so it was a very expensive event for me last year but I was ready. I, want, I hadn't bought a watch for a few years, I hadn't bought a phone for a few years and I hadn't bought AirPods for a few years so it was kind of my year and the AirPods are fantastic, the phone's been fantastic and the watch is fantastic but I've stopped wearing it so that's my, my brief summary of
1: current state of affairs. Apart from the battery on your phone?
0: Yeah I'm down to 90% maximum capacity but, which is disappointing one year in I use it a lot but that is disappointing. So what are we expecting? then? So let, why don't we talk around the phones? Because that, that's obviously the the meat and bones of it. So we are expecting, I believe, new iPhone 15s coming in, the regular size and the plus size. So that's the regular iPhone. But I don't know if we know what we're going to get on it. I guess we get, we're expecting some of the Pro features to to filter down to the what they call the regular phone. So I think we're going to get potentially Dynamic Island.
1: So well, I think... I think, let's come at dynamic island I agree, I agree with you i think we're going to get dynamic island i think we're going to get USB C. I think we're going to get the current generation processor that's in your phone i think that's what the iphone 15 and 15 plus will get i don't think they're going to get you know any sort of particularly better screen like an always-on display or something like that because it's not going to support the oled required to go down is it one hertz your phone can go down to to do that i think it's literally going to be dynamic island USB C. And, and an upgraded processor, and the usual stuff, slightly better camera, but but nothing very significant other than that.
0: Yeah, I, I would concur with, with what you've just said. So I think it'll be a great phone for most people. This phone will be fantastic. Shame yeah, I agree. Not, not sharing the always-on screen a bit wider, but they need some differentiation.
1: I mean, there is a very slim chance that we'll get it because they have pushed the sort of standby mode a little bit more for the phones but it seems to me it's something you're going to reserve for the pro phones because it does let them do that differentiation and having you know that 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 extra refresh rate which honestly hand on heart I genuinely don't think I notice I probably need to go back two generations of phone to to actually see the difference between the pro res display and and what we've got now
0: I concur with you on that I don't see it on that I think it's promotion but I don't I don't see it at all
1: I think let's wait till the end and we'll go through the pros and cons of USB-C. Let's just talk about what we're thinking here. So moving on to the iPhone 15 Pro, I think we're expecting all that. You know, they're going to keep the dynamic island going. I think they're going to improve the screen a little bit, no doubt, in some way, shape, manner or form. It's going to be a new generation of chips, A17 Bionic, and maybe faster charging or something like that as well. So solid upgrades to what we've got, but the major one will be new chip, USB-C.
0: And potentially an action button.
1: Yeah, the action button's an interesting one, isn't it? There is a rumor, and we'll put it in the in the show notes as well, that the iPhone 15 Pro will get an action button. So in the same way that my Apple Watch Ultra has a button on the left-hand side of it, where you can assign to a quick launch. In my case, it launches the workout app, but you can assign it to sort of any app within the, phone, within the watch if you want to do that. I slightly wonder about this. Who needs that that quickly you've got quick access to the camera although i will say it's super frustrating if you get the map running say in carplay mode or something like that and you then want to double tap a button to launch the cards or to take a picture or something you've got to unlock the phone first and then go off scrabbling for the camera thing so i might revise what i was saying right there but it's a bit of a use case isn't it that that one thing where they make the phone a bit rubbish because it's running a map a Map, you're going to assign your one and only extra button to
0: yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the implementation details, but potentially quite interesting that they would do it after so famously saying you don't need any buttons kind of thing. And and it feels like we're going back slightly on that. But no, I'm curious to see what they do, and devil's in the detail, isn't
1: it? It is, and design-wise, there's going to be a move away from what have we got now? Titanium to stainless, no, stainless steel to titanium? Whichever way around it is. Yeah,
0: because titanium's a lot lighter. The stainless apparently adds a lot of weight to the phones and the phones are heavy. So anything they can do to reduce weight has got to be appreciated. In turn, potentially bigger batteries as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're not just heavy. They're unbalanced is the thing I dislike about them most. I don't mind them being heavy. I've got pockets. I'm, I'm, I'm relatively robust. I can carry a slightly You know, heavy is relative compared to the Nokia bricks we used to carry around with us. But I don't like how unbalanced they are. It, it, they don't sit well on the hand anymore.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. The camera in one corner just is, it doesn't make sense. And Apple, known for symmetry, I've never worked out why the camera's always stayed in the one corner. It's been since the first iPhone, the camera's been there, and they've just carried on adding to it. I'm amazed they've never centralized it.
1: So that's the iPhone 15 Pro, and then we've got the iPhone 15 Pro Max, which traditionally has had a couple of extra features over the 15 Pro better cameras, better image stabilization. You know, there's there's always been something about the Pro Max to sort of make it really stand out as the top-of-the-line phone. And this time, we might, as well as everything else we've talked about, new design material, USB-C, etc., etc. we might get a periscope-style telephoto lens as well.
0: Yeah, which I'm curious to know what that looks like. And that may make me go for a bigger phone again, because I'd be curious now that I love taking f- photos on my phone. I do it all the time. I do a lot of, like black-and-white photography. I'm really curious to see where they go with this and they're also talking of making the iphone pro max the iphone ultra so it'll be interesting to see if that that comes in i thought the ultra would be a great name if they do a folding phone but it'll it'll be interesting to see how they message it and i always love their reveals because i think they tell a good story usually
1: yeah and just to be i agree the periscope lens will take you from a a three time zoom now because you can use inside of the body of the phone as well you get a longer focal distance you might get a six times zoom instead so i'm here for it i think more zooms is better Android phones have been doing this for quite a while. Samsung have some really quite impressive optical zooms on their phones. Apple lagging a bit on the camera, as we've talked about you know, on this podcast before. But the consistency of software experience has meant that the photographs that come out of them are generally very well regarded. So cameras very important on a phone, as you've just said. I'd be interested to see what they do.
0: Yeah, it w- will be interesting. And will it make people buy the more expensive phone, which is rumoured also to be even more expensive this year? And there's going to be a price hike. And everything is getting more expensive. So I wouldn't be surprised.
1: i got to say, I've always gone Pro Max or, you know, there hasn't been an Ultra up to now. But I agree with you. It might have been a good differentiator for a folding phone. If this phone is ridiculously expensive, because they've not just said it's going to be an increase, they've said it's going to be a significant increase in price, it would put me off going for the very biggest phone, i got to say.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm not in, really in the market for a new phone. There'd have to be a compelling reason for me to to change this year. I think
1: maybe I should be buying a fair phone based on what we talked about.
0: Controversial.
1: <laughs> Seems unlikely, but but now there, Apple Watch Nine. There's been no rumours for Apple Watch Nine.
0: No, and I do wonder whether it's going to be like last year and we just have a Series Eight with a couple of little things on it. I think to be fair to Apple, they're doing a great job of some secrecy at the moment because there's no leaks. We've we were surprised with the Vision Pro that was released. We knew something was coming, but we didn't really know that much around it. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing on the secrecy piece, but it's obviously working. And we know nothing really about the whole Apple Watch update that's coming. Obviously, it's been a big year for the OS's massive update there. It looks really good. But what would that mean for hardware? I don't know. Because I was disappointed last year when they did the Series 8. I was like, ah, oh, it just looks the same. And the reason I got the Ultra is I wanted something different. And I would imagine I'm not the only one.
1: Yeah, I think 9 and the rumoured Apple Watch Ultra 2, which is the next rumoured piece of hardware to come, really. There's not an awful lot about them. We've had the odd little glimpse that there might be you know, glucose sensor, there might be uh, watch bands you can strap on and it will dynamically change the watch face based on what's going on. But we've got no actual leaks about that at all. So I'm kind of with you. If they just go, yeah, here's the Apple Watch 9, it's got a slightly better display, it's got slightly bigger battery. That's not very interesting. And similarly with the Apple Watch Ultra 2, if they move to micro LED, that's great. I think the Apple Watch Ultra has been a surprisingly good seller for them. I see them normal, normal, non-Apple people wearing them all the time. So I think it's fair enough that they're going to want to push along on that. But at the same time, you want to see a little bit more than just a slight evolutionary step for the Apple Watch. I think they need to do something a bit more interesting. It's becoming a ubiquitous device. You see lots of people with them. I'd like them to push the platform a bit.
0: Yeah, agreed. It would be good to see something different in that space, but I do worry that people's attention is on the vision. So are we going to see anything major?
1: I reckon that's it for hardware. I don't think we'll see new headphones. I don't think we'll see iPads. How do you feel?
0: I think we'll see a USB-C AirPods case because that's Hardware that tends to be in lockstep with the phone, so I think if the connector changes on the phone, it will change on the AirPods case. I, I must confess, I'm not that fussed by USB-C because I largely use MagSafe in most places, so it's probably less of a deal for me. It'll be nice when I have charged my laptop or my iPad that I can use the same cable, so I'm definitely for it, but it's not a big issue for me. I do wonder, though, will we see a dock? Will Apple do a horizontal dock? Because they've got this new AirPlay AirPlay mode, standby mode, coming where your phone's horizontal and at a certain, a certain degree set back, either it's vertical or, or slightly inclined, will they do a dock to to suit that as an upsell? Will they do AirPods Max 2? So the AirPods Max that I'm wearing now are still lightning. I could see that potentially happening. You said how much of a big seller they were. I don't think they're going to do an Apple TV, but then part of me was like, would they do a pod slash Apple TV with a with a camera in it because we've got the FaceTime TVOS update or is that just sowing the seeds for something for next year? I think we've got more than enough for the event and I think they may do AirPods Max 2 and they may do a, their dock. And they are the only two things I, I could think of that would be extra.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I'd be surprised to see headphones, particularly of the scale of those. I'd be surprised to see home devices. Frankly, because I think they're going to save that for another event later next year or early next year potentially. They're quite stayed on the home line of products. Frankly, that that they don't push it along a little bit. And this is a device that has historically been for the iPhone, and that's what we're here for. iPhone watches, anything else is a bonus, and I think that is a bonus. And whether they might upgrade the case just for the look of it, but are they then also going to roll out the rest of the peripherals? Will we get? magic trap pad upgrades will we get keyboard upgrades it doesn't feel like the place for that no i think it'll be
0: the the peripherals related to your phone so It would make sense to do the AirPods cases, and new AirPods will come with the USB-C case. Maybe a MagSafe battery as well that's USB-C. Sometimes they come out later. Like I say, maybe AirPods Max, because these are a lot more common than I really give them credit for. You see a lot of them when I'm out and about in London. So uh, I think they might do a few accessories to go with it. And some of them might be quite minor. Here's a new case. It's just a five-second. It's the same AirPods 2 with our new firmware that we've announced comes with a different case you can buy the case today or you can buy a new set and same with my headphones maybe they don't change them very much who knows they should <laughs> but maybe they don't
1: I mean they did this for the MagSafe connector inside of the airpods you could buy you could upgrade the case for existing airpods if you, if you wanted to do that and then snap the watch charger onto it didn't they so I, I agree with you it it's it's likely. I think it'll get like a two-liner on the stage. I don't think it's going to have five minutes devoted to the wonderful new case with USBC. It seems like a good point to jump in on on what we were alluding to last week though, on the difference between USBC and Lightning. And I'm going to read this quote by, by John Gruber, who I, I think his takes are becoming increasingly irrational, for want of a, a better word. You still get the odd sort of solid thing from him, but this I'm not This I'm not sure about, and then another comment I made about threads and how it's going to become the dominant social media platform as well and how we were all crazy for, you know, the EU was crazy for banning access to threads. Uh, I'm a bit worried the wheels are coming off a little bit there. Anyway, Gruber says, The vast, silent majority of normal iPhone users, I think there is going to be a backlash that most USB-C proponents don't see coming, premised on accusations that this switch is a money grab from Apple to get people to replace all the lightning cables with this new $30 USB-C cable from the Apple Store. I don't agree with them.
0: No, I don't agree with him either. But it, it, there was a lot of backlash last time when we went from the dock connector to the lightning connector. It was, it was strange because it was the right thing to do. But obviously, people don't want to buy more cables. But they don't want to buy more cases every year.
1: Yeah, they. You know, it's it's a bit. It's not a great argument. I think most of the general public have seen a USB C connector in some way. No cars have them. Headphones have them. Android phones have them. Nintendo Switches have them, cameras have them. It's not a completely random connector that is out of the blue, which the Lightning was to a certain extent. People were very familiar with the dock. There were good reasons for moving away with it. Lightning was superior. People grumbled a bit. Well, people grumbled more than a bit, actually, when it came along. It's a money grab. You know, they want us to buy new cables. just, for, But there were valid reasons for doing it. And I think the movement to USB-C is slightly obviated by how familiar USB-C is with people and MagSafe.
0: Yeah, true. Like I say, for me, USB-C is a non-event because I've largely got MagSafe everywhere. I've got my family onto MagSafe. When my son got his new phone, I was like, "Ash, I'm just going to give you MagSafe done because he's less likely to scratch it, the phone trying to plug it in or cause any damage. So I'm with you. I think they may have waited because MagSafe is more prevalent. They've obviously... Announces this standby feature, which will help because people maybe have heard around that. And we'll start buying standby charges, which aren't very good if you're plugging in. It's better when you've got something magnetic holding it in front of you if you've got to hold it vertically or horizontally, sorry. So I'm with you. I think Apple have done the best they can do here. They've signposted it in the media. People know it's coming. And everybody's got USB-C now. The switch was early to adopt it in hindsight. Apple have it on most of their laptops. I must confess, I'm disappointed with the MagSafe adapter on my laptop. I barely used it because I've got USB-C everywhere. It's, it's largely pointless they brought it back for me. But everybody's getting used to USB-C. Most Windows laptops are USB-C now. You go to any of our offices at work, they're all USB-C docks. So I think it's less of an issue, but there will be some chuntering, I'm sure, around
1: it. Yeah, there will be a little bit of backlash, that is, but I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a done deal. The EU have mandated it as well, so there's lots of reasons for them to move to USB-C. And yet, some moaning, but it won't be the end of the world. And I think at this point, it's worth pointing out. John Gruber himself said on the Thursday, 15th November 2018, he thinks, it's he, the, he, I don't think the iPhone is ever going to switch to USB-C. So, wow. time's changing. Well, it's not the definite yet. I guess he may still be right, and we'll find out next week. But it's quite a bold claim to say it's never going to switch, isn't it?
0: Yep, and there was talk for the pro phones that you'll be able to buy a Thunderbolt cable for circa $100 to transfer your data off it quicker, which is very niche for obviously people... That they're filming because it just takes so long and it's been handicapped for a long time now and i guess apple probably stopped developing lightning there was no point doing the next iteration with faster speeds when they knew they were now inevitably going to go to C.
1: yeah and we've been stuck in usb2 speeds for a very long time on lightning cables so it it feels like a bit of a technological dead end at this point in the same way that the 30 pin dock connector did it's just momentum there's a lot of them out there
0: yeah, there is huge amount. I mean, how many cars have got them? How many people have got cables around their house? How many holiday lets have them in? Because the iPhone is such a dominant device. Hopefully USB-C will get there, but it's taken, USB-C has taken a long time to gather momentum.
1: It has, but I, I kind of think we're at critical mass now, and this, this is as good a time as any to jump on this. I'm
0: I'm certainly a big fan of it. Nearly everything I've bought recently is USB-C. I'm disappointed if it
1: isn't USB-C. Good. Have we got anything else to add? I think we've made our predictions.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a good event. I mean, we have got a note in here around the pro stand for the Apple Pro Display XDRs sold out and things. I just wonder if that's a red herring at this point. I wonder whether we'll get a Mac event or an iPad event later in the year. it would be interesting to see what they do or a general event where they release a few things. Or is it some press releases like they've done in previous years?
1: How many people are buying the XDR at this stage? It's got to be very rare. I mean, it's a very old, very
0: expensive screen that should have had a price drop shortly by now
1: absolutely so i think it's as much to do with you're going to buy two studio displays or three studio displays of than one xdr
0: yeah i think there's very little reason to get the xdr
1: i mean unless you're you know marco Armin and you just throw money at the problem and just because he likes his nice big display and i understand five years ago it was a stellar screen the refresh rate wasn't good enough but it was a beautiful screen that does things other screens couldn't do for an extortionate price you know many years down the line it doesn't make sense that somebody's going to buy a new one at this point so i completely understand why they might be starting to discontinue
0: yeah i'd love a 6k screen like it does look fantastic but i don't want to spend 6k in money so i can't imagine many people buying it, and it is outdated now
1: it is and then another 1k on a stand that you can't buy you'll have to buy a, a visa arm of some sort instead
0: but this is a screen that was announced in 2019 so it it should have been replaced by now. And this is disappointing with Apple. They do bring out really good tech, but they sit on it for far too long.
1: And again, if I have one complaint about Tim Cook's Apple, it's this reluctance to eject things from the product line.
0: Yep. They seem to hang on to them far too long.
1: And their cosy relationship with Twitter.
0: <laughs> Moving on. Anything else we want to talk about in the main show?
1: Well, I just want to talk about iOS 17 is coming. We'll all be, presumably we'll be prompted to upgrade it next week. Those of us that aren't already on the betas. And it's probably just worth very quickly flicking through what won't be available at launch. And we haven't seen as part of the betas. So the first thing is the new journal app. So this was going to be like an automated journal and you were meant to practice gratitude. Is that what we were meant to be practicing? Yes.
0: Yes, I believe so. You appreciate life and preserve memories.
1: Yeah, so it would automate that to a certain degree, filling in a bit of text about where you were, why you took the picture, whether you were friends, that kind of stuff. It's very highly anticipated. Not going to be there at launch. It's going to drop in the same way that the note-taking app did before.
0: Yeah, it's odd they haven't previewed any of this, but maybe this will come at the event and maybe it comes out in 17.1, which normally comes quite quickly afterwards.
1: Yeah. Yeah airdrop is going to be updated airdrop so if you start doing a file and you move away from each other then at the moment that's that file transfer will stop if you were to start the file transfer and move away from each other we'll prompt you to continue using iCloud links from that point on so i think that's quite a solid update but obviously still not ready so that's something else that's going to appear down the line
0: yeah great feature and i think a really good idea that is if you break connection the internet kicks in so it sounds really good. And again, I'm sure this will be out in, like I say, a point update. And I'm glad that they've pushed a few things to the point updates rather than trying to get everything in on day one and slow everything down.
1: I, I do wonder what they've been doing to a certain degree, though, because it's not... Vision different... Yeah, I suppose. And last but not least are collaborative playlists in Apple Music. And this just made me reflect a little bit. Why is it so tied into the OS? Why is this not a separate app that could be updated separately?
0: Well, like Apple Music Classical that they haven't touched.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly like Apple Music Classical that's still not available for the Mac and still not available for the iPad. It should be broken out so they can update it on a a more sensible cadence surely.
0: And they should employ at least one person on it because it would have more traction. You know, if Apple Music Classical was a one-person app, it would have more updates than what we've seen. It's really frustrating.
1: It's just rubbish and I'm afraid for for the biggest company in the world why can't they just add a few more little things and make it available on their platforms that they've developed a programming language just for the ability to make this cross-platform thing more useful in Swift UI. So where's our Apple Watch version of Apple Classical?
0: Yeah, it's really weird how they've brought it out very much delayed, but yet really hamstrung. Very, very strange. It'd be interesting to know the inside story of some of these things. I know Apple Music Classical isn't their main app and it's probably a very niche market but would be super interested to know how we've ended up in this
1: state of affairs yeah a shame anything else predictions wise rumour wise that's caught your attention or I think we just wait and see at this point
0: yeah I'm impressed with how quiet it is we've had a few little sniffs but actually there's still a lot unknown, and I like that I like going in when we don't know I think it's exciting
1: I like that too however if we get very little next week maybe we'll be a little less un- impressed that there was nothing to leak
0: Yeah, well, there is that, but they did a great job with Vision OS, like I say, very little leaked, and they did say they were going to tighten down on it, and it took them a long time, and I wonder whether they've achieved that now.
1: Quite possible. Okay, I think we can move on and do App of the Week then. Let's do it. Very simple, very straightforward. It's one I definitely haven't talked about before, but occasionally you just want a very robust text editor, and I'm increasingly moving to Notion, but when I want to do slightly fancier things in terms of find and replace, or open something that... uh, Another text editor I can't cope with what I pick is BB Edit. So I, I used to subscribe to it on the App Store, but it was a bit rubbish. So instead, I decided to give the money straight to barebones software. BB Edit 14, you can go to the App Store and it's not cheap. In fact, I'll have to look exactly how much it is if you're going to do that. You can actually buy it on the App Store, they've got a special deal with Apple to do it. But it's just the most flexible text editor. All it does is edit text. You can do syntax highlighting with it. It's not going to do any auto-completion for you. I wrote a little bit of my PhD in it in Markdown. I've used it for very robust find and replaces. You can do regex and regular expressions and things like that within it. It's almost a, 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 a complete operating system in itself. When you listen to people like John Syracuse talk about their muscle memory of how they do things and what macros effectively they can run in Edit, it's way, way above my limit for, for what I do within it. But it's just... An excellent bit of software that I've relied on over the years. And as they say themselves, it doesn't suck.
0: It doesn't suck. And I did buy this recently and I should have put it in the show because they did have an amazing sale on where you could buy it for circa £20. As an upgrade, I think, because I'd already had an old version of it and upgraded it. Like I say, for not a lot of money, I was happy to pay it to them. But it is a great app, especially if you've got really big files and you need to manipulate them. So I would definitely recommend
1: And it's $49.99 in dollars directly from bare-bond software. Which isn't that bad. Which isn't that bad. But it is just a text editor. It's just a really, really, really good one.
0: And it's 30 years old. Amazing.
1: Yep. They have continually evolved it over the life of the Mac back into classic Mac OS days and beyond that. And it's it's one of the best first-party text editors you can get on the Mac. And I, I've, I've always had my eyes taken by Text Wrangler and others, but this one, you put a bit of text in it, If it quits for whatever reason, because I've quit it by mistake and you want it up again, it's always saved in the buffer for what I put in there. It's just a tremendously reliable Mac application and a true Mac application.
0: Yeah, it's good. Definitely would recommend too.
1: Fair enough. Thing of the week.
0: So thing of the week, I went and bought myself a new mouse. And it looks just like my old mouse, which is here. So I'm holding these up for Rod to see. They look exactly the same. But one is a Logitech Anywhere 3.0. And one is a Logitech Anywhere 3S. And do you know what the S means? It means special. silent. Not speed. So <laughs> that's my old mouse. Yeah. And that's
1: my new mouse. Down here either the role.
0: Maybe they're not coming through, but the new mouse is significantly quieter. I don't know why they didn't do this for the initial release because they often do an S model. But it was about £55 on Amazon. It does supports three Bluetooth channels, so I can have iPad, Mac, Steam Deck is perfect and I love it, but just I was very conscious when we've been recording that the the previous mouse was very clicky, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to treat myself to a silent one, and my one of my children will get the old one.
1: Very nice too. I'm sure it's a lovely mouse. I got to say, I quite like my clicky mouse. My I don't even know what this is. It's a gaming mouse of some sort. It's a Cane Ultra, I think. Cane Rocket is what it is.
0: Never heard of it. I do like my Logitech peripherals. I must confess. Fair enough. Good. Anything else? no i think that's it for the week so thank you to everybody for listening if you want to get in contact rod is at g5 maniac at masterdon.scott i'm at underscore cjp at masterdon.social or you can drop us an email awake from sleep at protonmail.com
1: talk to you next week chris cheers rod